0: So uh, today I want to kick off our new series, um, "How to Make Great Decisions." I mean, we could all use a little bit of that, right? How to make great decisions, better decisions, at least not make bad decisions, which we've all done. And um, what I want to talk about today is kind of a—it's kind of an old staple that I talk about about every three or four years, and it, it's one of the concepts that I have uh, people ask me the most to talk about. And so for some of you old-timers, this will be a little bit of a rerun. But uh, at the same time, I've sprinkled in some new, new things and some different. So hang with me. Um, I need to give credit to this concept to Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley wrote two books on this topic. One was called The Best Question Ever. And the other book was called Ask It. So if you want to dig a little bit deeper into what I'm going to talk about today. Um, you can uh, pick up those books by Andy Stanley, The Best Question Ever, and ask it. Our text is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, and it says this, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So you think about it, especially if you're as old as I am, you look back and there's, there's times when you just wish you could have a do-over. You know, there's chapters of life. Uh, maybe it was a weekend. Maybe it was a bad business decision. Maybe it was a car you bought. Uh, my daughter, Bailey, I went with her to buy her first car. She was so excited. You know, she's 16. There was a kid at school that had a car. It had power, everything in it. And she had saved up her money. And so uh, we went and got this car, and I wasn't too sure about it, but she was excited, so she bought it. And about a month later, on I-25, the engine literally fell out. (laughs) It just dropped out. Uh, It was crazy. It's the craziest thing we ever saw. And so, you know, you have these regrets in life, huh? You look back and go, man, if I had only, only known... We all have regrets. Maybe it's a weekend, a night, some chapter in our lives. And as we look back, it's, it's obvious, like, oh, what was I thinking, you know? Because hindsight really is 2020, isn't it? But at the time, you're just, you're just not quite sure. And as you get older, you run into people all the time that are making the same bad decisions that you made. And you just want to scream, don't do it. Don't go down that road. This is not going to take you where you think it is. This is not gonna take you where you wanna go. And they respond the same way you did. They're like, it's none of your business, you know. Mind your own business, you don't know. Or, you know, but I love her, or but I love him, you know. Uh, we, all, we all do it, don't we? And one of the common um, res- responses is, you know, well, it just, it just feels right. You know, I just have to trust my heart. I have to follow my feelings. Uh, And I'm not hurting anyone. And as humans, we do this to ourselves. And I don't know why. I did think of a verse, though, in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that says this. It says, the heart of man is deceitful. Above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? And then the next part says, basically, that only God can. That God searches the heart. And so, we're kind of just... We're kind of in trouble when it comes to making good choices right out of the gate when we try to do it apart from uh, our Heavenly Father who cares about us and has a plan for us. So how do we make better choices? How do we navigate around these potholes in life? Well, in this passage, I think there's a filter that Paul gives us, a filter to kind of press every decision through. Uh, every job opportunity, every big decision, every little decision, every, every relationship, dating relationship, you know, parent-child relationship, uh, whatever, whatever we're looking at, every invitation, every moral question, there's, there's a kind of a filter in here to just kind of press everything through if we're willing to ask this simple question. And this is a question that will help us answer those times when the Bible isn't clear. Uh, when Jesus really didn't say anything about it one way or the other. But I have, to, I have to warn you, to ask this question takes courage. It takes courage because what it does is it, it peels back the layers of deception that we all have in our hearts. And it gets down to um, just the, the raw, real stuff. Because here's a problem. If you're like me, I can talk myself into anything. I can make the worst decision look like the best decision. I can talk myself into wasting money. We are this close to some Kohl's cash if we will just spend another, you know, $10. Some of you know about that one. I can justify anything. And I'm a pastor, so I can spiritualize anything. I can find a verse for you of why I need to make this really bad decision. But this question exposes all of that, all that nonsense and causes us to pause and really scan deep at the heart level. Now before we get into it, um, I just want to give you a little bit of context for who Paul was writing this to at the time. He's writing to Ephesus and Ephesus is kind of a, a major trade route. There's, it's just a melting pot of a lot of different ideas and a lot of different culture. And they're kind of known for these pagan temples where they had, they had incorporated prostitution into church. So it was really kind of a, I think they had like this saying, what happens in Ephesus stays in Ephesus. One of those kind of, you know, deals. And so this is where Paul is writing and who he's writing to, that the church that's in Ephesus. And, and the church is getting kind of confused because they're like, all this stuff's going on, but I don't remember Jesus talking about this. And I don't know about, is it okay to do, it? but in our culture, like everything's okay. Does that sound familiar? Like everything's okay. I you know and there, there, there's not a law about it and there is a law, but it. it, it's all okay. And so Paul gives this list of He says, no hint of sexual immorality, no impurity, no greed, no obscenity, no foolish talk, coarse joking. Don't sin in your anger. He he addresses bitterness and rage and brawling and slander and malice. And and then I think the reason he puts this in here is to kind of take out the loophole because we all look for a loophole. Hey, it's not on the list, right? So it must be good. It must be okay for me to do this. And obviously he couldn't have covered everything. So he starts out by saying, be very careful then how you live. Meaning how you live, it matters. That you need to be careful. You need to be on the lookout. You need to have a plan. You need to have a strategy. How you live matters. You can't just like make it up as you go or you won't get where you want to go. Be very careful how you do marriage, how you do relationships, how you do morality, how you work, how you handle your finances. Be very careful because when we're careless, what happens? We end up with regrets and we end up where we didn't wanna be. And then he goes on to say, not as unwise, but as wise. And that's the standard, that's the filter. That's the question that we need to be asking ourselves. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do in every situation? The problem is this isn't the question that that we ask. The question we ask is how close can I get to sin without actually sinning? Where's the loophole? How close can I get to the edge without actually going over the edge? How close can I get... Uh, to breaking the law without actually breaking the law? How close can I I get to being unethical without actually being unethical? How close can I get to disaster without experiencing the consequences of my poor choices? How can I kind of keep God in my hip pocket and still experience all of the promises of life? And the standard in our culture, much like in Ephesus, has become, well, if it's legal, if it's moral, you know, is it acceptable in society? Is it politically corrective? You know, if it, it passes these filters, then it must be okay. And we know there's a lot of things that are legal that aren't right. So Paul's saying, hello, you need to ask a different question. And the question isn't, is there a verse against it? The question is, what's the wise thing to do? In every invitation, every opportunity, every fork in the road, what's the wise thing for me to do? See, my wise thing might be not be your wise thing. What's the wise thing for, for me to do? And this question eliminates the loophole. He goes on to say, making the most of every opportunity and that's what wise people do. If, you, if you're around wise people, they make the most of every opportunity. You know, they get, they get kind of dealt a bad hand in life. They find a way to make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, because the days are e- evil. And if the days were evil in Ephesus, they're, they're certainly as evil today, maybe more, as they were then. Paul's simply saying, if we're not careful, if we don't apply a different filter, if we don't ask a different question, We allow the current of culture to just sweep us along and we'll end up in a place we don't want to be. You know, married guys, if you handle morality the way the culture says to, uh, is that really the investment that you want to make in your marriage? Is that what you were thinking when you stood across the altar and said, till death do us part? If we fill our minds with all the stuff that culture says to fill our minds with, is that really going to get us where we want to be when we said, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you, I'm all in, I'm yours. If we pick up our feet and go wherever the culture takes us, we're probably going to end up where we don't want to be because it's not neutral. You know, when you park your car and and your car's in, in neutral, it doesn't go forward or back, unless what? Unless you're on a hill, right? Well, we're on a hill culturally. There's no neutral, if you haven't noticed. And Ephesus was much the same way, a steep, slippery slope. And there is a culture that will pull us where we don't want to go. And that's why we have regrets. That's why we have chapters in our lives. We have, we have things that we say, man, I just wish that had never happened and I could get a do-over. We have to ask a different question. And as followers of Jesus, we've been called to live according to wisdom and not to the current trend of culture. What's the wise thing for me to do? And then he goes on and says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. He uses this foolish and wise contrast. And those who are, are wise, they understand what the Lord's will is. Those who are foolish, they don't care. They don't want to figure that out. They don't put any time energy. they don't make a plan for what's the Lord's will. The Lord has a will for every one of you. The Lord has a great plan for every one of you. A great choice uh, for everyone if you'll just ask Him what it is and, and try to discover what it is. He has something better for all of us in our finances, our relationships, our marriage, our parenting stuff, all of it. Career, sexuality... All of it. So it's a, great, it's a great question. So let's get practical. First of all, we need to ask this question at three levels. The first level is in, in light of my past experiences. In light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? You know, the last time I went out with the boys, or the last time I went on that, that trip, or the last time I, I watched a movie like that, you know, what's the wise thing for me to do in light of my past experiences? And it, it could be different for all of us. Um, you know, I hear about people who, who are uh, dating, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to take a, a year off. I'm just going to take a year off from dating. And I'll see other people kind of roll their eyes like, what's wrong with you, you know, and stuff like that. But for them, that's the wise thing to do. They're probably not doing so well in the dating arena, and they need to just kind of take a break and dial it down. There was a time way back when Wendy and I felt like we needed to kind of just not have a TV for a year, you know? People looked at us like we had grown an extra arm or something, you know? And it, for us, it, it was the wise thing to do for a while. Just, just no more, just too much media. And we just, now I, I would go up to the restaurant and watch the Bronco games, of course. I wasn't, you know, that crazy. But we, um, you know, we, we took a year off. And I didn't tell anyone else, you need to you know, get rid of your TV too, you know, down with the TVs. We just, you know, for us, it it was the wise thing to do for a while. Remember, God has a personal plan for you based on you and based on who he's created you to be. The second level that we need to ask the question is, in light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? In light of your current circumstances, you know, some of you have wrestled with, you know, should both parents work outside the home while the kids are small? That's a question you ask. And, and there's no right or wrong, but what is it for you based on where you're at? Maybe it's the right decision later down the road, but it's not the right decision today. Maybe you want to buy this great house or a great car, or go on a great vacation, and that's, but, you know, down the road because you need to pay a few things off before you do it. It's not wrong, but in, in your current circumstances, you know, what's the wise thing to do? And the third level that we need to ask the question is, in light of my future hopes and dreams, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? You guys all have hopes and dreams, don't you? Those of you who are parents and your kids are little, you you hope someday that you guys have a great relationship and you hang out, you, you know, you have hopes and dreams. Last last week we put on those, you know, forever factor glasses and we were looking down in time and looking out in the future and, and we all have hopes and dreams. You have hopes and dreams of where you want to be financially. Um, you, you have hopes and dreams of where you want married people where you want your marriage to be in ten years, right? We all have hopes and hopes and dreams how we wanna to relate to our, our fellow man and our neighbors. Uh, we have hopes and dreams. So Andy Stanley says, our unwise decisions in the past rob us of a portion of our future. Some of us have lived that. Some of you have experienced that. Now certainly there's grace for all of it. And, and, and God loves us no matter what. But sometimes we make it really hard on ourselves by poor choices and the consequences that come from those choices. So this series is about, look, can we do this a little bit better? Maybe we can do a little bit better. You know, when you work with teens who are dating, the question always comes up, and I've said this before, the question always comes up, how far is too far? You know, how far is too far? The Bible doesn't really say, you know, there's a, there's a lot of room from, between, hello, my name is, and sex. So how far is too far? That always comes up. And here's a a great answer. In light of what you want to tell the person you will marry someday, that's about how far. In light of how far you want the person you marry to have gone with the person they dated before you, that's about how far. Because it's a different question. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do right now in this situation. Nobody plans to mess up their lives. They don't. No one stands across the altar and says, you know what, I'm getting married today, but in five years, I'm going to have an affair. Five years, yeah, that's about right. We'll have a few kids. I'm really going to mess this thing up. Nobody does that. Nobody holds their newborn baby and says, I'm going to raise a rebel. I'm getting a little shirt for them that says rebel. You know, nobody has a, you know, a meeting in their neighborhood and says, we're going to be the most dysfunctional family in this neighborhood. Let's get after it. People don't do that. No one says, you know what? In 10 years, I'm going to be addicted. In fact, I'm going to be addicted to like three things. I'm really going to go for it. Nobody does that. The problem is very few people plan not to. Very few people plan not to. So we need to ask a different question or we'll have regrets. There's a guy in the Bible. His name's David. King David. He got it right most of the time. This guy was called uh, a man after God's own heart. This guy was awesome. But he had a chapter in his life that if, if we could bring him up here today, he would say, yeah, I wish I could do that over. Because there was so much pain and there were so many consequences over this, this one choice that King David made. And I, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but I, I want to read just the beginning. And I want you to think about was there a place or a couple places where David could have asked a different question? 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. I think this is where he made his first mistake, right here. Because the kings were supposed to be out there with the guys. They were supposed to be out there leading with the guys and he gave his leadership up to somebody else. He gave it to Joab and he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Now, was that a a bad decision? Well, on paper, probably not. Hey, I'm the king. I've been working hard. I need some me time, you know, so I'm going to hang out. Things are good. The kingdom's good. I'm just going to hang out here. But if he would have asked a different question, what's the wise thing for me to do? He would have been out there with these guys. So here's what happens. David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. Okay, there was his next mistake, right? Now, he didn't make a mistake, I don't think, by finding out about her. Kings those days had a few wives. If she was unmarried, he could have taken her as as a wife. Um, But when he found out she was married, that should have been the end of it. That should have been it. It wasn't what was the, you know, he should have said, what's the wise thing for me to do? It's not go get her, bring her here. So this is what happens. He sends messengers to get her. She came to him. He slept with her and she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. And now their regrets begin. Wow, that was a bad choice. And he tries to cover it up. You guys know the rest of the story. He actually has Uriah murdered uh, to try to cover it up. He ends up taking Bathsheba as his wife. Um, God is not happy, as you can imagine. He is really upset. And I think one of the reasons he's so upset with David is David has so much. When he sends Nathan to talk to him, he says, look, this guy had nothing. He had one thing, this wife. You had everything because I've given it to you. And if you wanted more, I would have given you more. And you took this one thing from, and, and God was just so disappointed with David. And there were consequences. And the baby died. Uh, there were other crazy, go read it this afternoon. But anyway, he didn't ask the right questions, did he? He could have he made a whole different choice and things would have turned out different. So, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity.